He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bellotified, the one and only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bellotta, and I'm here as I am every week with the always optimistic, always delicious Alexia Cristina Postalides. So, uh, Hello, Anthony. Well, hello, Alex. How are you doing today? I'm I'm doing well, thank you. It's a beautiful summer day and mm-hmm. sun is shining and you know, lots of fun things coming up. So Yes, you have a lot to look forward to. I yes. do. This I is do. going to be a great summer for Alex. She's traveling abroad. Wanna give us a quick uh rundown of where you're going? I, yeah, I'm going to be flying into Naples. So I'll be in Naples for four days, traveling around the Amalfi Coast, and then in Rome for three. And from Rome, I depart on a 10-day, it's it's a somewhat educational seminar cruise throughout Greece and Malta, and then five days in Barcelona, and then I'll be heading back home. Doesn't that sound delicious? I am so envious. I hope that you uh, take time to breathe it all in and just enjoy every moment of every day while you're there. I fully intend to. I'm going sans computer. I will have my phone if I can find it because it might still be packed. My little tiny tablet just for having playing games. I've got four or five books ready to go and journaling and I just, whatever happens, happens. My one goal is to journal, if not every day, almost every day. That's a great goal. Yeah. So talk to me about the flight. It's a long flight to Naples yes. from San Diego. Are you are you driving to LA or are you flying from San Diego? We're flying from San Diego to Newark and from Newark to Naples. So are you, do you have a trepidation about flying? Do you I don't love flying? to fly. It's no? not my favorite thing, but I have a mantra that I say. It started, oh gosh, 20 some odd years ago when I first started uh, getting involved in Reiki and we had to fly somewhere and I was afraid and I went, wait a minute, use what you've learned. So I created a little prayer, which I've since expanded on. And as the plane starts to take off, I just repeat that prayer until I feel okay. And then as we land, I repeat the prayer. Mm. It's my own little universal protection. Yes, way way of coping. And Mm -hmm. if you will, walking through your fear. Mm -hmm. I have a cousin, cousin, uh, Michael, who um, has just about everything he could possibly want in the world. He's done so well, but he will not board a plane so unless he can drive somewhere he hasn't seen or will not visit and that 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 just seems like a 
a total loss. You know, I, I just want to shake him and say, Michael, get on the plane. Darn it. What about cruising or training? Will he do those things? Cruising or? Uh, train. Oh, training. Uh, I Yes, I believe he will. I think it's just the flight thing. Okay. That I mean, you know, if I could if I could travel abroad any other way. You but would. I don't ever let it stop me. I still go. Oh, you see, if, if the Concorde were to come back, I would be one of those people that would want to get there as quickly as possible. Like, just get me on the fastest thing you possibly can. And and the, and the reason why I ask is because today's guest seems fearless yes. to me. And so I thought today's tipsy could be about walking through fear. Let's get tipsy! So that's our tipsy for today. Now, Mark Fain, Mark Fain, who the heck is Mark Fain? <laughs> Not even somebody I went to high school with. Uh, Mark Twain famously wrote, do the thing you fear most and the death of fear is certain. Now, anyone who's ever had to be plied onto a roller coaster, Alex, and then emerge feeling the rush of excitement and triumph can attest. The way to combat fear is to face it head on, to walk through it. The way to walk through it is to become comfortable with discomfort. Now, that's right, comfortable with discomfort. Something that gets easier with practice, I promise. Kind of like camping. It may, it may help get you started to think about fear as an acronym. You may have heard this, fear, false, evidence appearing real, which describes how our minds can weave together false narratives of how situations will turn out. Not that this is such a bad thing, it's part of our survival instinct. And besides, a world without fear would be quite chaotic indeed, if you think about it. But when it comes to our own fears, it's uber important that we engage in some serious self-reflection and get to the root of them. Once we better understand what precisely is it is that frightens us, it's time to start challenging those fears, to start standing up to them and start walking through them. These three questions help me do just that. Question number one, what am I afraid of exactly? Is it losing control or being embarrassed or feeling inadequate? What is it? Number two, what's the likeliness that what I fear will come to fruition? Now, the truth is that control is an illusion. Most people are so wrapped up in themselves, they don't even see you. And the prevailing sensibility anyway these days is inadequate until proven otherwise. So why bother even giving it any thought? And number three, what is to be gained? Now, quite frankly, if the value doesn't outweigh the risk, I'm likely to pass myself. That's why slopes and skis and I do not a joyous vacation make. But the prospect of growth, be it personal, relational, professional, or even in business, is always a major incentive. Just remember, when you're walking through fear, to give yourself some grace, not all fears are like facing a roller coaster. Some fears take a bit more time and practice and patience with yourself 
to vanish. And that's my tipsy. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead. We'll give you a sec. Why, thank you! Yaya had, well, she had many, but this was one of her philosophies. Did you know this? No. Her philosophy, I ora ton takrion ine otera. Would you repeat that? I ora ton takrion ine otera. Which means? It means the time for tears is later. So right now, buckle down, get through it. Get what what get over what you're fearful of. Get the job done. Once you're on the other side, most likely you're going to sit back with a smile on your face and go, "That fear was in my head." Much like the roller coaster. Now I do roller coasters, but that one was really fearful. But once I went on it, I went, "Oh my God, that thing is nothing. Mm-hmm. That's nothing." And so that's just it. Just, you know, kind of get over yourself, but in a gentle, loving way. Right, right. I completely agree with that. Get over yourself. <laughs> it's all good. Nobody's pointing at you, ready to strike. Although, really quickly before we bring on our guests, I do have to say, when I was in here the last time, and this was 25 years ago, people were. I had it in my head that that every time I walked down the street, especially in the south of France, they were looking at my shoes. And my then husband said, oh, it's all in your head until he noticed. They were indeed looking at my shoes. So I was shamed into buying better footwear. (laughs) Wow, they must have been pretty bad shoes. No, they were actually very expensive Tebow's, but they weren't fashionably chic. Uh, What did you say, Kiva? Tebow's. Tebow's, okay. Are they like Kivas? I don't know what Kivas are. are aren't Kivas those sandals or those Tivas? Those are Tivas. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, yeah. And he was probably wearing them with socks. So, you know. <laughs> you know, you don't want to have sores on your feet at the end of a long day walking all great, over. Great, great, you know. So introduce our guest because, you know, she just epitomizes fearlessness as far as I'm concerned. I'm sure she's got a fear or two, but, you know. Let's just get into it. We all know and love her from her days as chief weather anchor at ABC Channel 10, NBC7's main weather anchor, Kixie Radio Morning DJ, and CBS 8's PM Magazine co-host, where she traveled from the rainforest of Australia to the Alps of Austria. And that's just in San Diego. Prior to coming to our fair city, she co-hosted the TV program PM Magazine in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and Dayton, Ohio. And hopefully I got them all in there, as well as working for the Washington Post while earning her degree in communications from American University in DC. And if that wasn't enough, she is a credentialed teacher an educational volunteer, serves on the Alzheimer's San Diego's Community Action Committee, is a trustee emeritus of the Multiple Sclerosis Society, and is on the Byrne Institute Advisory Board. She is scuba dived with the sharks and flew supersonic in a Navy F-14 fighter, earning five Emmy Awards along the way. She lives her motto, and I have chills. Life is not a dress rehearsal. Please, please, please welcome the dynamic Pat Brown. 
Wow, what an intro. Thank you, Alex. Hello, Anthony. Hi, all true, all true, all true. <laughs> now you know I'm pretty old, right? <laughs> no, no. Terrific, too, by the way. <laughs> wow. You're, you're as old as you feel, and I think you know that already. You know, that's so true. And I I, I just loved what you were just saying about the fear. And I, I don't know if I'm just like jumping ahead here, but one of the things that I like to talk about when people have me do motivational uh, speeches is, um, is fear. And I always tell people, don't let fear interfere with your life. Mm. Because if you do, then you're just going to sit at home all day and life right. is way too short. Mm -hmm. I had a, for a very short time, a tap instructor. I can't even tell you her name. It was that short a time, but she said something I will never forget. She said, what you regret at the end of, the of your life is usually not what you've done, but what you haven't done. Yes. And I will always remember that. That's so true. I mean, you know, let's just say 10 years from now, we're all going to be somewhere 10 years from now, and we'll regret what we didn't do. And we're all going to be 10 years older. So it's like, do it now. It's like the Nike. What didn't Nike used to have that motto? Yes. That, uh, just, just do it. Just, just do, do it. it. Just do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so true. And and the thing that we forget is we, we think we're going to feel in our minds the today, the way we feel today for the rest of our time. But that changes, you know. And and the way that you perceive things changes. And what you've just said is so so dead on. And you don't know what your body is going to do. So true. You know, as, as we're all getting older, if, if it's something physical like scuba diving or, or, you know, climbing to the top of Mount Whitney or, or something like that, it's better to do it now because you don't know what shape you're going to be in in 10 years. <laughs> My goodness. All right. With that, I want to ask you, get to our, 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 our favorite segment uh, and ask you 10 quick questions. 10 quick questions. 10 quick questions. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is so much fun. So easy to do. Uh, 10 questions, two minutes. Alex will watch the clock. Just the first thing that comes to your mind. Ready. Are you, re are you ready, Kat? Mm -hmm. All right. Question number one. Do you believe in magic? Oh, yes. I love magic. What do you consider your most irrational fear to be? Oh, <laughs> um, probably bungee jumping <laughs> nice that's not irrational at all yeah, yeah, that's very much not irrational <laughs> name something you've done or tried but never want to do again um uh, uh skydiving mm. which is uh, kind of like bungee jumping only it's know. longer <laughs> it which, which was really fun and i did it once and it was thrilling but i said i i never wanted to i don't like Falling. Falling is not a good thing for me. Uh, oh, I, could, I was going to ask you about that. Thank you for clarifying that. Falling is not a good feeling. Um, what's the first word that comes to mind when when you think about you? Uh, happy. What's the first live concert or theatrical show you you saw, ever saw, and how old were you? Wow. Uh, uh, my first theatrical show. 
or concert or, or concert or live yeah, performance live performance Ooh, well when i was in high school i was an usher at a theater in the round live theater in the round so i saw a lot i saw sonny and Cher and rowan and martin and wow peggy fleming brought a portable ice skating rink and performed wow. i mean i can't narrow frankie valley and the four seasons love them okay they all they all work they're all great answers um i saw sunny in the sh and share too when i was a kid question number six pat are all of your emmys treated equally or do you play favorites my emmys um well i do have a favorite and it was my first one that i got for the story on pia magazine when i went up in a f-14 fighter jet and went supersonic that's my favorite thank you for sharing that thank you we all have favorites what's the one thing you wish you could stop doing <gasps> i think you've stumped me the one thing i wish i could stop doing eating potato chips okay <laughs> everybody has something right that's my weakness that's a good that's not a bad that's weakness at all they're yummy not at all no What's the most common, or on the other hand, most ridiculous thing said to you by someone who recognized you in public? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, uh, probably, um, I grew up watching you. <laughs> <laughs> that's the last it's thing like, you want ah. to hear, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's <laughs> a funny thing about that comment is it's meant to be endearing and nice. Oh my goodness. Uh, if you could fly anywhere in our galaxy, where would you go first? If I could fly anywhere in our galaxy, I think I think I would just go to the moon so I could see Earth from that viewpoint. Yeah, that would be exciting. Yeah. As Alex mentioned in your introduction, your view of life is that it is not a dress rehearsal. Mm. But if it were a pizza, let's say, <laughs> what might it be topped with? <laughs> You're funny, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> if life were a pizza, it Why would not? be Oh my gosh, it would be it would be one of those loaded pizzas with mm. pineapple and pepperoni and onions because life is like that you know sometimes it's sweet like pineapple and sometimes it's you know a little biting like like onions right. leaves a bad taste in your mouth maybe but but you love it anyway and that's life and that was the best <laughs> answer ever ever oh, well you. i've never asked that particular question no. before that was a question that i i wrote up just specifically for you i don't know do why. i remind but, you of a pizza no <laughs> but i gotta tell you i was like please say pineapple please say pineapple <laughs> i love pineapple sweet pineapple mm. Mm. but that was so beautifully uh articulated that answer thank you so much so you're so right about all of that sometimes it's sweet and sometimes it is sour mm -hmm. salty mm -hmm. and you know it's not i mean everybody they might look at you and think oh she leads such a perfect life well none of us lead perfect lives and i, I tell people it's not what happens to you it's it's what you you do and think about it that that really colors your life so you know i've got 
I've definitely got, you know, some not great things that have happened and it's hard to get through, but um, we all have choices, right? We sure do. And, and I, I believe that as we get older, the more we're able to hang on to the happiness, it's, it's really a feat of success. I mean, it really, it separates us and how we view life and probably how long we live. I love that. It's, it's not, true. It's not easy as you get older to, uh, you know, maintain a sense of calm and happiness and not feel like uh, the world is, you know, pointing at you when bad things happen and it's only happening to you. It's an, And that's why community is so important and relationships are so important because otherwise you start to feel that way when you're isolated, that uh, the world is against me, you know, and I'm just, you, you slither away, you know. Uh, Recently, I read that relationships are the key to happiness. Do you do you agree? Totally agree. And I know science does back that up. Mm -hmm. um, I, I do a lot of work with Alzheimer's San Diego and and socialization uh, is is key, like you said, for um, aging gracefully and, and healthfully, because if you don't reach out and this is where even Facebook and, and social media has really helped us because we can, we can be, maybe you live a, alone, but you can do a Zoom call or you can reach out. Like I'm looking at you on a screen right now. I know people can't see you, but it's so wonderful to see both of your faces. And, and I feel connected, even though I'm sitting here in my house all by myself with my cat. Mm -hmm. And uh, it does help you live longer to be connected with people, care about people. And, um, and that's, yeah. One of the most important things about longevity. Yeah. And about, yeah. And especially uh, when people are not well uh, or they're suffering something, you know, catastrophic to have their loved ones around them really does help in the healing and, you know, the will to come back to life and to fight because sometimes that's what it takes. It takes a fight, an internal will to push through something. And without that support, it's it might be harder to muster. So true. Yeah. So true. I mean, you've heard those stories of people who are, um, like you said, very ill, and, and then they wait for their daughter or their son to come to their bedside. And then after they've reconnected even briefly, mm -hmm. then they pass on. It's like, yeah, I believe that you, you can will yourself to stay, to, to go, to whatever. The brain is the last frontier, and we don't really fully understand that yet. And, uh, you know, if I were a doctor, I would definitely be a, a brain doctor because yes. <laughs> it's fascinating what we don't know and the mm -hmm. power of the mind to, uh, to make our life good or not so good. Or it's up so to good. you it to is. make our physicality good or not so good. You know, our, our thinking affects our health. It affects our physical being. You know, we have the power within us to help heal ourselves, not just emotionally, mentally, but physically as well. So right, Alex. Mm. So you enjoyed a long, successful television career. And I don't hope you don't mind me asking you a bit about that part of your career to start off with. Oh, no, I, I was so lucky to have have the career I had. Uh, it's really amazing. You 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 did have a great career and you didn't actually start in 
in television. You started at, if I remember, the Post, the Washington Post. Yeah, when I was a student at American University, I had a, a part-time job at the at the Post in Washington. Yeah. Was it always your uh, desire to go into TV, or did it happen? Was it just happenstance? Uh, it was kind of happenstance. Interesting that you asked me about how that all came to be, because my first um, desire was to be a teacher, which I ended up doing later. Because <laughs> mm. I, I think I think you're born to be a teacher. If you want to be a teacher, it's always in you. And I had to still do that. But that's down the road a bit. Um, to, to make the long story short, the way I got into television was when I was at college, um, the, one of the fraternities on the campus every year would have a, <laughs> would have a beauty pageant, just a little fun fundraising kind of thing. And so I was actually physically talked into being one of the contestants because I would to walk across the stage in the swimsuit was not, <laughs> was not <laughs> what I did. I was usually in the library with my nose in a book. And they said, oh, Pat, it's no big deal. It's going to be fun. Come on, you'll meet some other people. So, so I got talked into it and I didn't win. I was first runner up for the local pageant. And uh, the girl, Julie, who won, went on to the state. Now, this was when I was at Shepherd College before I went to American University in Washington. And um, she, she didn't win the state, but what they did, because if you won the state, you went to Miss USA. If you won Miss USA, you went to Miss Universe. Um, and that particular year, they changed the timing of it. It wasn't a whole year until the next pageant. They, they said, we're gonna do the next year in six months. Well, they didn't have time to hold a local pageant to pick a new contestant. So I was one of those people where they say, if anything happens to our winner, the first runner up, well, that happened to me. And I was sent to the state pageant and I won the state pageant. <laughs> and I ended up on national television as Miss West Virginia, didn't win Miss USA, but there I was, on this huge stage, it was a live broadcast. Bob Barker was the MC. Oh, I don't, yeah. you know, I mean, I was just like this little girl, just like wide-eyed, like this is so exciting. And I had to go to a microphone and talk about myself. And I found, hey, I'm pretty good with a microphone. And it opened up a whole new world for me. And that's wow. I changed my major from education to communications transferred to American University, ended up working at the Post and then getting my first job on television. I mean, so that whole beauty pageant thing, which people go, you know, a lot of people put their noses up at it, actually had a major positive impact on my life. Wow. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah, just and lucky, just lucky. I just was the first runner up, that's all. <laughs> So I have a story then for you. My mother worked for Miss USA and Miss <gasps> Universe. She did. For just two years. And I, I, I don't exactly know what she did because I was a, a kid, but she worked with Bob Barker. And I, I want to say she was probably uh, like a, a, a wrangler, probably yeah. helped to get the, the contestants onto stage and, mm -hmm. you know, corral them when they were needed. Uh, but I just, so I remember 1970 and I think 1971 was were the two years that my mother worked there. And I was just telling this story yesterday because not to go off on a tangent, but she worked. They did the the Miss Universe in, in the ballroom of a hotel in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. uh, and the winner was Miss Lebanon. 
And there was such political angst in that region then that the hotel that was housing all of the the contestants and people that worked for the pageant was bombed. <gasps> but just as soon as Miss Lebanon's name was called as the winner, the bomb went off. They were all in, you know, the ballroom and the showroom. Right. Well, well, of course, you know, the police come and there's a major, you know, tape off the place. Well, my mother gets past the tape lines and starts picking up ashtrays and coffee cups and towels to take home with her because she figured with all this craziness going on she could take a few souvenirs home with her oh joycey she's a she's a kooky one she's a funny one what a story small world yeah. huh small world small world so i went off on a tangent i'm sorry what are some of the changes you've actually seen in television or that you saw in television during that time Oh my gosh, huge ones from when I I first got my first job in television in 1980. <laughs> That's so long ago. And uh, back then, there were actually people that stood behind the cameras in the studio. <laughs> now, now cameras are all robotic. So when I did the weather at Channel 7 and Channel 10 here in San Diego, you know, there I was talking to a little red light, you know, you, no people there in a cold, big room with no windows. <laughs> it was like, you know, people think it's so glamorous and to be on TV, but uh, not a lot of people contact. And also, of course, now social media has exploded. So not only if you're on television, not only are you on someone's TV in their house, but, but you have to uh, be on Facebook and be on Twitter. And uh, uh, I did I weather forecasts for a local radio station. I'd have to record those. So many platforms. It has just exploded as far as it's 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 so so much broadcasting now because it's so many different channels, if you will, or platforms. That's the biggest difference, I think. Yeah, there's uh, not only the 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 local stations, but the cable stations and the independent stations, and so there is a lot more. So you've seen the the changes in in news delivery then over the course of the last few decades oh yeah and also in how um opinionated and what people say on the areas i mean back when i started everything seemed much more civil than it is now mm -hmm. um and that's unfortunate do you uh feel that uh we need to get back to that news kind of news delivery that is uh, less about opinion and more about what actually happened. And is there, is that even possible? Well, anything's possible. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it, if it would happen. Um, something has to happen because we're becoming so divided. Uh, yeah. But even, even I think we're all guilty of it a little bit. We tend to look for those, those outlets that reflect how we feel anyway. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to watch the channel that, oh, they're too conservative or they're too liberal, you know. And so there needs to be more, um, more, more places we can go where we, we hear both sides. One side is never always right. right. And, and we've become so entrenched in what we think is right that we, we've become deaf to other people's points of view and um I, I hopefully there will be 
some coming toward the middle ground. Mm, I hope That's so. That's where travel is very important. Thank and you, Alex. That's so true, right? Mm -hmm. When I was living in Japan and it was the, uh, I was teaching there and it was the first Gulf War and there was a little 1950s place that we used to go, bar and dance and, you know, and we were sitting around the table and there was somebody from Iran, from Lebanon, from Israel, from Africa, from America, from Canada, England. And we were all sitting around the table just being friends. Your people, you know, mm -hmm. when you get rid of the labels, we're all just people. And <laughs> sometimes I just go off the deep end and say, you know, I think the human race isn't going to all come together and realize we're all just people until we're invaded by the aliens or you know, right, a, right. a race from outside planet Earth. And then we realize, oh, hey, we are all together. Uh, we are human beings mm -hmm. uh, before anything. So like when you get a, a form you have to fill out and it asks you what your race is, um, I like to check the box and say human not Hispanic or Caucasian or anything else, but my race is yeah. human. That's my race. Right. Like right. That. And it does sound like the um, intrusion of uh, aliens is, is eminent. If you are watching the news these days <laughs> <laughs> and apparently has been for a very, very long time and <clears throat> is just coming to fruition now, apparently, uh, I'm being very facetious, uh, <laughs> but I'm not saying that I'm a disbeliever. Oh. I, you know, because it's a. What are the odds that we're the only ones? What are the odds? Look yeah. at the night sky. Look at the billions it's of stars. Infinite. Out there. Right. It's infinite. And that's just what we can see. Right. That's right. I mean, we get so thinking we're, we're the center of everything and we're just tiny little specks in the whole scheme of things. But, but you know, being a tiny speck, we can still make a difference. And yes. much like what you do, you continue to learn and grow and try new things. Getting back to Anthony's point about being fearless, but all of that helps you grow as a human being and step outside of yourself and see the bigger picture and educate yourself about other situations and other people. So even in your own backyard, you can, you can travel in a sense right? By learning and growing and experiencing. And when you do that, you open your world. True. I try to learn something new every day, even if it's taking my daily 40 minute walk and I'll see a, <clears throat> I don't know, a flower or something that I, I go, I wonder what that's called. And I'll pull out my, my phone and <laughs> I'll take a picture of it. There's apps now for everything. You yes. can see what that flower is. And it's like, oh, I never knew that. I mean, yes. it's such a little thing, but it's like, I didn't know that when I woke up this morning and now I know. Now that. you do. Yeah, there is so much to learn. There's it's infinite. I mean, you couldn't possibly learn it all in a lifetime. So it's 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 great to have that sensibility, you know, that you're looking for things to learn because it's, it's true. Otherwise, you're turned off to all of the things that there are in this lifetime. You don't have to like them all, mm -hmm. but it's fun to know about them. Isn't it, though? Right. To it is. Exist. It is to be curious, I think, is to live. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um, I have that same feeling when when a show, for example, Hamilton was such a huge sensation. Right. But I can't help but think about the years that were spent creating that piece. Mm 
and the time and the commitment that was put into that piece for it to be the sensation that it was. You know, we all think, oh, this thing just happened overnight. <laughs> no, 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 no. And that to me is what, what makes me curious and intrigues me. You know, while I was, you know, doing this, the little thing and this thing, and blah, 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 that thing was happening over there. You know? <laughs> and we wow. get to enjoy it. In fact, when I right. saw Hamilton, it's one of the, you know, I lead tours for day tripper tours. And um, I was lucky enough to take, take uh, passengers up to LA. We saw it at the Pantages Theater in uh, Hollywood. And um, afterwards, and I'm, I love history, especially American history. And I, I got the book that uh, in the, oh, what's his name, Chernow? Was he the author, I think, of the book? The, the auto, the, the a biography of Alexander Hamilton. And I mean, I, I just knew a tiny bit about him from my high school history class. And I read that whole book because of that musical. So it just, one thing leads to the next thing leads mm -hmm. to the next thing. And it just, you know, there's not enough time to read everything. <laughs> I'm so curious. There's so much, so much out there. I was going to ask you what your favorite day tripper trip is. is oh it, my gosh. I, I can't, I can imagine that's a tough decision. What are some of the trips you you get to take and talk a little bit about that experience, if you will, going from, you know, you've been doing the day tripper tour guide, I'm going to call it a gig, for a very long time. You're not new to this. Since 2009. Yeah. So 15 years almost. Yeah, almost. Uh, 14 years. So uh, what drew you to this, to, to being a tour guide? And what do you love about it? Well, what drew me to it was that um, it uses a lot of the the skills that that I have. Um, number one, you put a microphone in in front of me and I'm fine. So I'm in front of everybody on the motor coach because we go everywhere in a beautiful motor coach, uh, giving people background or trivia about where we're going. Um, so that fit that I love to travel. Hey, I get paid to travel to do right. this. I love being with people. And when I was on television, you know, there might have been 20,000 people beyond that little red light in the TV studio, but I never saw them. Right. But now, you know, if I take 50 people up to L.A., I'm looking at 50 faces and they're laughing with me. And it's, it's just it's just that connection that we were talking about before. And um, and we get to go to all these different places from yeah, seeing Hamilton at the Pantages or we'll go to the Huntington Library and Museum. Um, which is the most gorgeous gardens you've ever seen up near Pasadena to Catalina to mm -hmm. Idlewild or Big Bear um, to uh, John Wayne's yacht up in Newport Harbor and taking a Harbor mm -hmm. cruise around Newport Harbor. Uh, everyone is different. Everyone is exciting and, and fun. A lot of museums, uh, the Broad Museum of Contemporary Art in LA and the Disney concert hall where the LA Phil plays just it just adds such spice to life. Um, so, so the way I made that transition from weathercaster on channel 10 to <laughs> day tripper tour guide was, um, I actually was a passenger on a, on a trip, but I think it was, um, oh gosh, what was it? It was a St. Patrick's day festival up in orange County. And I, signed up, bought a ticket and went and had a wonderful day away from San Diego, just watching the Irish dancers and the sheepdogs herding the sheep and all the things that are Irish. And I, the woman who was at the front of the bus with the microphone, I was watching her and I thought I could do that. I think I'd like to do that. 
And I talked to her and she said, oh, Pat, my gosh, you would be wonderful at this. I'll introduce you to the owner of the company. And I don't think we have any openings now, but they will. And, and that's how that whole thing kind of happened. So when I left television, um, I had already started doing tours on weekends for Day Tripper. So it was kind of a seamless leave TV and, and lead tours. Uh, so I didn't have any, like, what am I going to do with my life when I left television? Mm. I, I already kind of knew that this is what I wanted to do. How many tours do you take a month? I, I like to do about two a month. Um, most of them are day tours. Mm-hmm. Um, now, by the time this airs, this will probably be old news, but um, tomorrow is the 4th of July as we're recording this. And so I'm, I'm taking uh, 52 people up to the Hollywood Bowl to see the Beach Boys. Ah, <laughs> and we'll have fun, fun, fun. 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 Uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, that, that made it an easy, um, an easy transition, I guess you could say. So you, these are long days. You leave. Oh, they're very long days. Yeah. 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 I, we have four different pickup spots in San Diego County and I have to be there with the bus. The first pickup stop, which is down in Mission Valley and last pickup is usually up in La Costa before we usually head up to LA. Um, and then I'm with the bus all the way back. So it's about a 14 hour day. Yeah. It's a long day. Yes. And <laughs> What does the end of that day feel like as you're as you're uh, unloading the last of those passengers? Is everybody pretty wiped out or are they expecting you to give them lots of love and attention at that point, too? Oh, I don't think anybody's wiped out and I'm on the whole time. So I am wiped out by the end of the day because, um, you know, I want everybody to have a good time. Right. Um, I would say at least half the people in every tour. Now I say, how many of you have traveled with me before? About half the hands come up. So we almost become like a family because, you know, I recognize the faces in the morning. I'm like, Oh, where did we go last time? And we can never remember. There's so many tours. (laughs) It's so good to see people again. Um, And it's just, it's just such a fun job. If you can even call it a job. I tell people when you're trying to decide what to do with your life, you know, figure out number one, what are you good at? And number two, what do you just love to do? So you wouldn't call it work and then, then try to find, try to find that. Yes. Mm-hmm. How many trips could you take if you wanted to? I would probably, see, there's a, there's a handful of us who are, who are tour guides for day tripper tours and they, they spread the love so that everybody has the same number of tours. I could probably do more than two. I could probably, and sometimes I do three a month. Um, but they, they divvy them out. So everybody has the same amount. And I do multi-day tours as well. I've got one coming up uh, in the summer to the Hearst Castle mm. up in mm. the, the central California coast. Never up. been there. <gasps> Alex, you should come with me. I'll when take you care going? of you. I know you will. When are you we, going? We are going, I think we leave on July 16th. July 16th through 18th. And I don't think it's sold out yet. I'll be in Rome. Oh, you'll be in Rome. Rome. (laughs) That's a good excuse. (laughs) Well, put put Hearst Castle on your bucket list. Have you been there, Anthony? I have not been there either. (gasps) I know. No, it's like being in Europe, you know. William Randolph Hearst built this castle on a hill that was designed by a woman, which I love. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, way back in the 1920s that there was a woman architect and yeah, she was the one who designed the whole thing. Wow. Isn't that something? Yes. 
I've always always wanted to go since studying that in a, in a a film class. Yeah. Um, Studying the movie in a film class. So I'm thinking Balada day trip. (laughs) That could happen. Just probably not July 16th because I think that's gay pride as well. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's yeah. It's Sunday, right? Somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, you have to wait till I'm here. Yeah. But we will do that. (laughs) Uh, we've been talking about doing a, a road trip because I've not even dri- driven down the California coast. We have driven, but we've taken the five. Very oh. different drive. Oh, it's a very different yeah. drive. Oh, so it is one of the that. most beautiful drives in the world. And we're lucky enough to live in California. I mean, mm. and we've got Yosemite National Park. You've got Kings Canyon and Sequoia National Park. Death Valley is a fascinating place. I've led a a three-day tour to Death Valley. You know, people don't even realize the how lucky we are to live near all these geographically gorgeous mm-hmm. places. It blows my mind when I I hear people. Uh oh, and maybe I don't know with you guys, people who live in San Diego who've never been to the Grand Canyon. Uh oh, Alex. Is no, I've been. No, I've been. I'm one of them. I've been. I've been. <gasps> Anthony, you've never been to the Grand Canyon. I haven't been to the Grand Canyon yet. Oh, promise it me. It is really, oh. it is. It's co- not called the Grand Canyon for nothing. It's one of the most amazing places on earth. No, I definitely would love to see the Grand Canyon. It's definitely on my list. It's one of the road trips that you yeah, know, we should take. Rough. An eight hour, right. six, eight hour drive yeah. from San Diego. You can drive there. After we finish this podcast, I probably could. <laughs> I will tell you that was one of my irrational fears, though. Falling in, mm-hmm. <laughs> falling in the Grand Canyon. Yeah, because and also and when I was there, I was sitting back and I was just journaling and I was sitting underneath the tree and watching. And this one guy being just being dumb and he kept getting too close to where he shouldn't have been getting too close to, and his wife, girlfriend, whatever finally got really mad and said, if you want to die, die. And she turned around and walked away because he was perilously close. Well, and I have a fear of heights. So. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't have fences everywhere. I mean, they no. want to keep it as natural as yeah. possible. So but it's so beautiful. Oh, especially so in like sunset or sunrise, you know, best time and, to take pictures. And there is that new, relatively new feature. Is that still a, uh, around the, they had a a plexi or a glass uh, dock, if you will, that you could walk out onto at one in one area. That so you can basically look down and see the cavernous, you know, canyon. Below. Yeah, I've been there. I've been there, and that is it's south of Las Vegas, and it's it's like a horseshoe shaped plexiglass walkway. And so you walk out, you're looking straight down like 4,000 feet. Wow. And, um, you know, they say, oh, a 747 plane could be parked on this horseshoe device and it wouldn't fall. But still something in your brain goes, don't walk out there. I'm hyperventilating right now, just so you know. (laughs) Yeah. So Mm. you can do that too. Yeah. You could do that too if you want to. Mm -hmm. And somebody did recently. I think they... I mean, they didn't fall because the, the structure was insecure. They think they, they jumped or something. Oh. Like I did hear that recently. Yeah. Wow. Um, I want to I talk about your 
work as a host because you've done that for us numerous times and uh, you do it so well. Uh, what do you consider your most important job to be when you are assuming the role of a host? I consider my most important job up there to, to get everyone excited that they're there uh, whether it's handing out awards or introducing a speaker, but just aren't you glad you're here today? Aren't we lucky? Um, and and communicating that attitude and that spirit to the audience. And I'm kind of the one to, I'm the cheerleader, if you will. I'm the one who's equally as excited as they are mm -hmm. for what they're about to see or hear. Mm -hmm. That comes across. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it well, it's does. true. It's really true. Whenever, wherever I am, I like to try to be totally present and in that moment with them. And because really, when you think about it, that's all that is reality at that moment. None of us know how many days we have or what's happening tomorrow. So, right. so right now I'm talking to you two, this is it, this is it. And I tell people to be, to be present, uh, not perfect. You don't have to be perfect at what you do, but at least be present with the people you're with. And, and share that moment, you know, that's all we've got. Mm. And, and I'm, you know, privileged when I'm asked to emcee something to be uh, the leader or the facilitator of that in, in the best way I possibly can. You also uh, take great uh, strides, I, sh I should say effort. You put a lot of effort into when we've done award shows mm -hmm. and they're been many with plenty of names in, in understanding in, in being able to pronounce the name correctly, knowing the name. Why is that so important? Wow. Because your name is all a lot of those people ever hear about you. So it's the least I can do is pronounce your name correctly. And boy, there are some doozies out there. Why can't other people have names like Pat Brown? I don't know. <laughs> but uh oh yeah if you I ever do. have to introduce me i'm sorry <laughs> i'll just call you alex here she is miss alex that uh, works yeah yeah and all that you're right anthony that comes with preparation beforehand reading through the script mm -hmm. making sure you've got every name right make marking the script i i'm big at marking scripts with where does the emphasis go right right yeah. So, so important. And that's actually something that I learned from you really? is making sure that the emphasis is where it needs to be, because that's the thing that we forget the most. And then it's just haphazard. You know, it's, it's important to know where the syllable mm -hmm. is placed. <laughs> yes. That's right. That's right. It's a, and put it's, that in, put that in all caps on the script, right? The, exactly. Where the emphasis goes. That's the exactly, line. exactly, exactly. <laughs> I have all these little hieroglyphics whenever I'm doing anything, any kind of VO. I have hieroglyphics. They only mean something to me, uh -huh. but it's my woodshedding process. So, you know, a little train track, a little loop-de-loop. -loop. It tells I love me it. I'm going to go up on this. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Right. Well, our voices are our instrument, right? Mm -hmm. So so we, we have our own musical score. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Yes. So what do you attribute your sense of adventure to? Probably, probably my dad, who I just lost in December. I am um, so sorry. This thanks. December, you know, mm -hmm. he lived. He lived until he was ninety-three years old. 
So uh, he he lived a good life and he really, he really molded me in so many ways. Uh, Sense of adventure. Yes. We always took family vacations growing up every single year. We had a tent trailer. Remember the tent trailer? You don't see mm-hmm. them that very much anymore. They pop I, up and then they have the wings I, that go out. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. So it was like half tenting and, oh, that goes back to your camping thing. <laughs> 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 At least we're off the ground. Uh, but I grew up in Maryland and we would come west and see, you know, the Rocky Mountains and Glacier National Park and Yellowstone. So all that when I was just a kid and a teenager and just loved it. And my dad would take pictures, slides. He would take slides. slides. We had a big slideshow after every family vacation. So now I love taking pictures and that's kind of a hobby of mine, but that's where my sense of adventure came from. I think from, from my dad. Do you consider yourself a thrill seeker? I know a lot of other people consider me a thrill seeker. Yes. I guess when you look at some of the things I've been fortunate enough to do that most people don't uh like when I went up in that f14 you know when we went we went Mach one you know what that means Mach one that means you're going faster than the speed, the of, speed sound. of sound That's what that I mean thought. yeah and people still that doesn't register to people so I tell them Mach one is faster than the speed of a bullet so if you fired a bullet out of a gun at the same time that the f14 is screaming through the sky we would beat it we'd be going faster than a bullet so that, that was pretty crazy. And we went to five G's where you feel like you're going to black out in that jet. And yeah, I've been, I love to scuba dive. And so um, I've had some, I've scuba dived in some caves in the Yucatan where, where it's really dark and you can just see the light way down the way. That's how you get out. <laughs> that was pretty scary. Um, I just, I just like to do exciting things as long as I feel like they're safe as safe can be, you know, accidents can always happen, but um, yeah, I guess I am a thrill seeker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that I think about it. What the fact you that you scuba dive, you're a thrill seeker. It's fun. Yeah. What are you, what are you looking forward to next in terms of uh, the next big adventure? Oh, I've had two. Can I tell you about the two that I've had in the last year? Yes. Because yeah. yes. I'm still on a high from them that I haven't really planned my next one. Uh, last August, I finally went to the Galapagos Islands, which I had wanted to do for years. And then the pandemic came and it, it got postponed like three times. And finally it happened. And I went to this, you know, the Galapagos Islands are 600 miles off the coast of Ecuador. And you're, when you get there, it's like you've peeled back the curtain of time. It's totally different. I mean, you see these giant tortoises and these marine iguanas that are swimming in the water with you. And, and um, it, it, you, there's no roads on most of the islands. You know, they're uninhabited. So it's almost like you've gone back to prehistoric times. I just, I just adored that. And then in uh, March... I flew up to Fairbanks, Alaska to see the Northern Lights. It was my third time trying to see them. Um, and I wasn't gonna give up until I finally saw them. And it was so worth it when the sky exploded overhead wow. on, on one of the nights we were there with these, these glowing moving ribbons of neon green and just everybody around us, everybody was going, oh my God. <laughs> It's just, I've never seen anything like it. It was That's a bucket wow. list for me. Oh, 
Well, if you don't see them the first time, because I went to Iceland and it was cloudy. You don't see them if it's cloudy. It has to be clear night. I went to Alaska one time with my friend Carol LeBeau, cloudy all the time. And so I said, I'm going to try again. And this time the sky was clear and, and it, and it happened. It was 1224 AM. I'll just never forget. I was on top of a mountain and all of a sudden the sky started moving and then it got brighter and brighter and brighter. And it was just like, (laughs) it was like the end of the world or the beginning of the world. I don't know which one, but it was amazing. So between those two trips, um, I'm kind of at a loss. I do want to go to Easter Island where those giant stone face faces are lined up in a row and they don't know how they got those big stones there. Um, So that's on my list. Um, I'm just kind of taking a breather right now. Um, Was traveling difficult the last few times you've had to travel or you've traveled? uh, Because of the pandemic, you mean? Because of the state of the travel industry and the state of people and the things that are happening and the craziness that it, it takes a lot more patience. It does. I do not enjoy the actual traveling part of it. I do not enjoy the long plane ride at all. And maybe if I flew business or first, but I don't, uh, it would be better. Um, but boy, they, they really cram you in back there. And I do go like economy plus, if they've got that as an option, that's actually worth it. Um, and then, yeah. And on an airplane, even now I'll wear masks because you're just so close to so many people. And, um, ever since we started wearing masks for the pandemic, it's like, you know, for three years, I didn't even have a cold. It was great not to be sick. So I thought if wearing a mask means I don't catch a cold, that's worth it for the time I'm in an airplane. So I don't know. It's yeah. the, The actual getting there is not the fun part for me. It's being there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you cannot agree more. <laughs> but you so can get we, on a bus and go to the Hearst Castle and you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That that I assume is an overnight. Yeah, it's a three day, two, it's two a nights, three day, three day, two nights. So you see other things other than the Hearst. <gasps> Castle, yeah, you know right? what we see? There's a beach right there. The, the Hearst Castle is mm-hmm. up on a, on a hill overlooking the Pacific. And on the beach, it's called Moonstone Beach, are elephant seals. No like kidding. you see on National Geographic, you know, the yeah. kind with the big snout mm-hmm. that yes. kind of hangs over. They just cover the beach there and and they've got a, a wooden walkway so that you're not on the beach with them. You're kind of above them, but walking mm-hmm. right, right. They're right there. You're not at the San Diego Zoo. They're, they're right there in the wild snorting and doing all the things elephant seals do. But uh, yeah, we go there. <laughs> we see the elephant seals and yeah, we stop along the way. We stop in Santa Barbara and see the mission there. Mm, um, and, and just, I mean, Anthony, just the ride up the coast, you're looking at the Pacific ocean. You see the oil rigs out there beyond, you know, so we talk about that a little bit. I, I just, I just give a little bit of narration all the way up. I don't talk the whole time, but do you do uh, your own research for these trips? Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that is the job part of, of being a tour guide for day tripper tours is um, having your talking points as we say. So uh, yeah. That's, is there that's an expectation the that you'll have a certain number of talking points? Is there a yes. standard? Um, there's not a standard, but when people sign up to come with day trip or tours, uh, I know, Alex, you talked about it. You're going on an educational cruise. Day tripper, you know, you're going to be learning things when you come with us. Um, and that's where 
you know, I, I am a credentialed teacher as well and love to learn. So I love to teach people and share what I've learned about where we're going with people. So you're not just getting on a bus for a bus ride. You're getting a whole lot more. Well, how do you field questions that you don't know the answer to? I say, I don't know the answer to that, but let me see if I can find out. And then you. Then I Google. And, yeah, and like, <laughs> yeah. Does that happen a lot? Are people asking questions that are difficult to answer or, or do you find that it's pretty easy to share information? Yeah, they because they all have cell phones too. So if they're curious about something, a lot of times they'll just look it up. Um, but they seem to be satisfied with the amount of information that I share. It's just, I, I'm asking the question not to be disrespectful at all, but because, you know, we all do carry these cell phones around <laughs> and sometimes it is as easy as, you know, doing a little search on your own. So I wondered mm -hmm. how much that's happening on those tours and, and if it's gotten in the way, but I assume not. You know, that's a good question because, you know, they could fact check you <laughs> with yes, everything you could, say. Right. And they probably are because uh, we have Wi-Fi on the buses. Um, so I, you know, make sure that what I say is, is correct. Um, and if I've led a tour before, maybe say four years ago, and then I'm going to the same place again, uh, I'll go back and cause things change. So mm -hmm. I'll go back and sometimes I have to change my narration a little bit because, uh, things have changed in the, in the interim. But, uh, no, I, I think most of the time people come on these, these day trips and, and they don't, they don't want to be on their cell phone. They want. They want number one, you to take care of them. And so I take mm -hmm. great care of them. And number two, they just want, they're just like sponges. They just want to learn what you have to tell. They're, they're not like, see if she's wrong or let's see. If we are. Yeah, no, they're, they're just, they're, they're wonderful. I love my passengers They're, I tell them I'm, I'm the mother hen and they're my peeps. Oh, they're very lucky. Passengers. <laughs> they are very lucky. They are oh. Very, very lucky. I'm the lucky one because they, let's they see. bring me such joy. They do. See? I have to tell you, I remember the first time meeting you, and you won't remember this, but it was a long, 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 long time ago. Um, you were a baby, and I was not. I was. I. I was. <laughs> you actually, grew up with me, right? I grew up with you. I grew up with you. I was a karaoke hostess for an event, and you were there. I, I don't remember what the event was, but I remember watching you walk in with this smile on your face, and I went, "She's that real." You are the same person you see on TV. That is the biggest compliment that anyone can give me when they say, oh, you just like you are on TV because I, you are, I can't mm -hmm. be anything else. I'm just me. Yeah. It's that love of people that you have, mm -hmm. which I, I do uh, envy because that helps you to be as vibrant and, and present as you always are, the fact that you do like to engage mm. with people and that shows up every, everywhere you go and having you on stage, giving out awards or hosting an event, you feel that warmth emanate from the stage. It's just, it's, it's not common. It's not something that everybody can offer. And it's just so authentic and real. It's not anything that you do or put on. It's just who you are. And it's, that is magic. If you yeah. ask me. Yep. Oh, you're going to make me magic. cry, Anthony. That's, oh, thank you no, for I'm, saying that. That's, me, that's wonderful. I mean, every single 
word uh, from the very first time I had the opportunity to work with you to the very last time. And I hope it happens again. And I hope you'll say yes, if it does. Uh, I just always, not only do I enjoy it, but I feel that I'm in good hands because at some point I'm handing it over and I'm saying, okay, Pat, here's what it is we have. We rehearse it a few times, we get it together and then it's in your hands, right? And then I'm just sort of watching the show and you just, you don't only carry it to the end, you carry it with care. Mm. There's a care and a concern there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's how I feel, but you make, you make it easy for me to, to be in that role because I know you're in the back of the room. You're the, am I allowed to say you're the voice of God? You can say it. Yeah. Yes. That yeah. wonderful voice of yours. Yes. And it's like, I know, I know you've got my back if I had any question or, or anything happened, which sometimes it does. Right. It's like, mm -hmm. Oh, Anthony's there. I know I'm right. going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> It's always so much, so much fun. It really is. I, ha I have um, got to get to what I call the, D'Angelo loves the way I say this, nitty gritty of nitty -gritty. our podcast. Okay. And that is our Belotified Five. <gasps> the Belotified Five. Five questions to end okay. the podcast. These are our big questions. Big. They're huge. All right. Question number one. <laughs> What's your golden rule? My golden rule is, I think, to. Um, wow, that is a big one. Uh, to try to make a difference. You can't do it every day. That's just pie in the sky. But. Um, as, as often as possible, try to make somebody else's day better because, because you're here. That's a great golden rule. Mm -hmm. And you're right. It's not, it's not going to be every day. No. And sometimes your best is going to be better. You're going to, right. On some I days like your best that. is better. I like that. What is one daily habit you have that you strongly believe contributes to your success? Something you do on a daily basis. Oh, that's an easy one. Hmm. Um, my Facebook handle is Pat Brown Smiles, one mm -hmm. word. So my, my daily habit, if you want to call it that, is, is just try to smile. Smile more often. Smile at people. Um, people don't do that. You, sometimes you look at people's faces and everybody looks so worried and serious and i'm like just even if you don't know him just smile right. somebody will smile back at you it's a simple thing mm -hmm. i'm about to take a trip to new york and it's one of my favorite things to do is to just <laughs> smile as i'm walking down the street it'll make people wonder what you're up to <laughs> right. sharing a smile that's all uh when no one is listening what are the things you tell yourself um Probably kind of to go back to what we were talking about before that uh, I don't have to be perfect, you know, because I'm kind of I think all of us seem to be hard on ourselves sometimes. And so if you make a mistake or, you know, I could have done that better or whatever. Um, so I tell myself, Pat, you don't have to be perfect. Just be present. Just try your best. And that's that's OK. Wise words. 
What is one change you'd like to see in the world? Oh boy, I feel like I'm back on the beauty pageant stage. <laughs> world peace. Um, world peace. But I'm, no, I'm going to be more specific because there is one thing, and and um, and it's I, I wish that everybody on the whole world could have clean water. You know, there's a lot of places, not even like just in Africa, but I mean, even in this country, where mm -hmm. I mean, if you don't have clean water then the rest of life is, is really, really hard. And we just, you know, we turn on our faucet and out comes this water that you can drink. And I mean, we're just so lucky that we have that, that we take that for granted. And I think in the future, that clean water coming out of your faucet is not gonna be something that's number one free or close to free or even easy to get. And I think, I wish everyone could just have access to clean water. It sustains life. It's the most yeah. life-sustaining uh, element that we have on this earth. And you're right; it's just evaporating. The, the good water. The good water. Uh, we were recently in Orlando. I don't know if you've been there recently, but the water smells—at least where we were—wretched. I couldn't even think about putting it in my mouth to you know, splash around after I've brushed my teeth. I yeah. couldn't even do that. That's how bad it smelled. So you're right. It's happening. And whether it's sulfur or not, whatever it is, it doesn't feel, it certainly doesn't, it's it's not uh, appetizing or appealing at all, let alone safe. True, true. Yeah. Uh, so what is your why? Um, my, my, why <laughs> that's an interesting question uh why because because we can all make a difference people go oh, it's just one person what difference does it matter if i vote or i do this well you know what if everybody if everybody did something there's a lot of us out here so mm -hmm. my why is because you can make a difference it's a great why it's a great why and a unique why i love it and you continue to make a difference in all of the various ways with uh, the Alzheimer's Association, with multiple sclerosis, with um, the Burn Institute, Institute, which mm -hmm. is led by my friend Susan Day. Oh my goodness! So you yeah, they Susan do a lot Day. of good yeah. work. I had a friend who was very badly burned, and that's what got me into that, to understand what those people have to go through and right. how much help they need. Yeah. Yes, a lot. And thank you for all of that. Thank you for all of the work you do and for being somebody who wants to make a difference and who lives every day to make a difference in somebody else's life. Because that's really what life is about, isn't it? You really mm -hmm. uh, captured that. Very well. Oh, thanks, Anthony. Well, life is short, you know, and I think as, as I'm getting older, uh, that's kind of the message that I think about a lot is I look back and I mean, you and I've known each other for how many years? And it's like, where did 20 years, 30 it's, years, where did that go? Am I really 66? Yes, I'm 66. <laughs> I tell people I'm 66 years old and I'm like, how did, how did I get here? <laughs> Just right. went by as fast as I'd have 14, I flew in. Right, right, yeah. right. 
Right. You talked about um, losing your dad in December and I lost mine on July 2nd of last year. And I can't believe it's been a year. A year. Yeah. My sister and I were talking about that yesterday. It just doesn't seem possible, you know, that it's just like that. So that, again, that comes back to if you want to reach out or touch somebody or or there's someplace you want to go or something you want to do, do it. Do it. Do it. Right. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. That's for sure. Hopefully good things. We never know. Hopefully. Thank you for joining us, kiddo. Thank you. Alex, Anthony, thank you so much. This was fun. My first podcast. Yay! Yay. Opa! Opa! Opa. Hey, thank you for listening to Bolotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast. Bolotified is a production of Bolotta Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bolotta. Stay engaging. Stay engaging.